Solidarity, brother. Solidarity, Tom Cochran. The union makes us strong. Oh, okay, that's Tom Cochran who won't be in PA tomorrow. Uh, you heard about this. Uh, Canadian rocker Tom Cochran uh, in solidarity for QP882 on strike. He will not be performing at the E.A. Rawlinson Center because he won't cross picket lines. Huh. I'm John Gormley. Welcome. So happy to have you here. Uh, the 23rd of November already, and I don't know how long it was. It has been, this has been it's pretty well kept secret for a time. It's been almost a year now. The plan was my last show would be Friday the 24th and uh, rolled out. We just gave the uh, formal announcement to you two weeks ago. So this is the penultimate show, the one before the last. And of course, all week I've been doing the last this, the last that. Well, the last Bugs Day, the Hour of Rage happens third, right here, nine o'clock. Uh, Lara Fominoff is going to get that going, senior reporter, 650 CKOM, at that very heated discussion yesterday. And uh, for a change, rather than dumping on the city of Saskatoon, this is looking increasingly like the Social Services Ministry has got a lot of explaining to do on this so-called complex needs shelter. You can't be that vague and keep that many people in the dark. But we'll talk about how the city, the province, and others are managing the homeless issues. In Saskatoon, uh, the board of directors of the Regina Exhibition stepped down en masse. We'll talk about that. And we've got a bunch of stuff here today. Uh, the great uh, academic professor emeritus at Carleton, Elliot Tepper, foreign affairs expert on the ceasefire that was to have started today. A four-day temporary ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war has not started. Uh, it may be tomorrow. We'll get more details from him. And political weenies everywhere, <clears throat> ahem, me, um, the 1957 Moss Bank debate. Now, that was before most people were born. Tommy Douglas, who'd never met a debate he didn't love and never met a debate he lost, was pretty badly thumped in a debate in Moss Bank, Saskatchewan, 1957, by a guy who had been an NDP, or CCF as they were in those days, a CCF MP along with Douglas. There was Douglas and Ross Thatcher, but Thatcher became a liberal. And then he became the premier in the early 60s. Ross Thatcher, Tommy Douglas, the CCF, the liberals, and the Moss Bank debate of 1957. Malcolm Buchholz has a brand new book on this, and we'll chat with him here at 11 o'clock. And that's just a bit of what's going on. Oh, and by the way, um, a cowboy Christmas. Uh, honey, it's not on our W network this year. Just because we have more of those movies than anybody ever has PVR'd. Uh, it is in the U.S. this Christmas. It will be in Canada next Christmas. Shot in Maple Creek, Saskatchewan. We're going to talk to Jessica Watch, one of the people behind a cowboy Christmas with trilight pictures. Well, that's what I know is going on here today. Uh, what I don't know, of course, is what you will produce, as you do every single day. Thoughts, calls, passion. And wow, tomorrow, the final day. And uh, we're not going to have much in the way of plans tomorrow. A couple of guests are going to drop by, but it'll be you and me and the last four hours of The Gormley Show.
Well, yesterday, everybody's blood ran a bit cold. Speeding car heading toward the U.S.-Canada border crossing at Niagara Falls, the Rainbow Bridge, blows up as it hits uh, a median. It actually gets airborne, and not just four feet in the air. One bystander, uh, a tour guide named Ricky Wilson, said it was like the movies. Hit it and actually went way up in the air, landed and completely exploded in a ball of fire. So, of course, it's on the eve of American Thanksgiving, which is today. Border crossings are busy. Not just that border crossing, but many of them are all closed down simultaneously. There was real concern. Was this an act of terrorism? Well, the FBI say no explosive devices found. Uh, Governor Kathy Huckel uh, says no evidence there was a relationship to terrorism. And uh, one unnamed police official says... uh, The driver was a man, a frequent casino player who crossed the border regularly. No criminal history. Uh, The mayor of Niagara Falls, New York, says the man driving was accompanied by a woman believed to be his wife. And they were in their uh, late 40s, early 50s. No names yet. So that's what we knew. But I just wanted to give you the heads up, the latest, because everybody yesterday took a real pause. Was this an act of terrorism? Well, as we get going this morning... The government of Saskatchewan actually earlier this month issued a formal response to the government of Canada over what is being called the CER, the Clean Electricity Regulations. Uh, The federal government has promulgated or now published these regulations. And in Saskatchewan, to comply with what these regulations would require by 2035 and then ultimately 2050, the Saskatchewan government says, will not be possible logistically, technically, and the cost to Saskatchewan could be as high as $40 billion. Dustin Duncan is the minister responsible for Crown Investments, which includes, of course, Sask Power, Sask Energy, and we find the minister in Regina this morning. Uh, Thanks so much for taking our call. Thanks for having me, John. So the response of Saskatchewan uh, is this is completely not doable on the schedule Ottawa's laid out? It really isn't. Uh, we look at the CER regulations by 2035, and for us, it, it really only appears that we have two paths for baseload power by 2035. Uh, we're looking at nuclear, and we're looking at natural gas. We don't have large-scale hydro availability in Saskatchewan, so those are really our two methods to get there. Uh, SMRs were on that path to make that decision by 2029, but it's a pre-commercial technology. And so, you know, we have to make some pretty big decisions with not a lot of time before 2035. And natural gas, which I thought, you know, we thought was always going to be our bridging technology. What this will require is that by any, any natural gas plants built after 2025, will have to have carbon capture and sequestration by 2035. Uh, in theory, you can do it, but nobody's doing at, it at uh, industrial or commercial scale. And so, um, you know, we, it, it's, it's basically forcing us to make some pretty difficult decisions that uh, uh, we just think that are not technically possible uh, to achieve the standards by 2035. We set a goal of 2050. We've asked the federal government, do some actual modeling on Saskatchewan because what they've laid out uh, you know, other jurisdictions are saying that it's not going to be workable for them. And they're starting from an even better position from a, from a greenhouse gas perspective. Uh, so hydro, uh, hydro rich, uh, provinces like Ontario, like BC are also saying 
this is not doable for them. So for, for a province like Saskatchewan that has historically been reliant on fossil fuels, 2035 just is not realistic. Let me bring you back to the carbon capture sequestration piece. There is a growing body of opinion, and some people have had it from the day the carbon tax came, but a growing number of Canadians is that a lot of the mitigation steps, whether it's clean energy, whether it's even you know, electric vehicles relies on technology that hasn't been invented yet. Absolutely. Like, we know carbon capture. Obviously, we have the experience at Boundary Dam 3. So we know that you can capture carbon. On natural gas, nobody is doing it right now in the world. And so for us to have to make decisions post-2025, uh, where, you know, we will be investing, for example, at the Aspen facility uh, in the Humboldt region. Uh, that's likely going to be a billion-dollar natural gas plant on its own. And then for the federal government to say, oh, by the way, after 2035, you need to uh, install carbon capture. At what price? We don't know. At what standard that it can attain in terms of the threshold? The federal government says by regulation you have to be at 30 tons per gigawatt hour. We don't know if the technology will be able to achieve that. Uh, and by the way, we'll have to pay the carbon tax all along. Uh, but the federal government also says that, well, if it doesn't achieve the standard, you can still operate those facilities at 450 hours per year. Last time I checked, that's about 18 days. So I don't know which 18 days in January that Stephen Gabot wants us to run these natural gas plants. It's just it's uh, it's just it's ridiculous what they're what they're trying to force us to do once again. Dustin Duncan, Minister of the Crowns, in response to this statement you issued this week, uh, Mr. Gibo's office says, "quote Saskatchewan is very well situated to take advantage of nuclear, wind, and solar power, and is a world leader in carbon capture technology." You've just dealt with carbon capture, so can you roll out nuclear, wind, and solar on this kind of timeline? Well, we're, we're going to increase and in, we are going to increase in terms of our capacity to, to do all of those things. We need to take an all uh, of the above approach. But everybody knows that wind and solar, you need baseload power to back it up. Uh, so as we incorporate more renewables into the system, we've got to build uh, baseload power. Our baseload power was going to be largely natural gas. Um, this significantly constrains our ability to operate natural gas post-2030, frankly, post-2025. Um, it adds significant costs and significant risks to the province um, where, you know, we could have stranded assets. Uh, we could have just the technological risk, whether or not it could actually achieve the regulations. And again, we're well on our way to on the nuclear path. Uh, we are looking at uh, uh, deploying SMRs uh, post-2030 uh, in that time frame. Uh, you know, I think in the future there could be an opportunity to revisit the the issue around whether or not we need large scale nuclear. Because uh, I, you know, I think that will have to be a part of the discussion. We're we're not disagreeing with where we're trying to get to. We just think that 2035 is absolutely unrealistic for this province. 2050 is more attainable, but 2050 is also going to be very challenging for Saskatchewan. Keeping in mind that we have built largely a fossil fuel based grid in Saskatchewan over essentially 95 years uh, as, a, as a power company. Dustin Duncan. So the megawatts we produce in a year, about 5,400. So SAS Power is saying they've really got to take the existing 5,400 and make them green. And then the, the federal government's clean energy, uh, uh, clean uh, electrical standard 
says the electrical grid is going to have to grow two and a half times the size it is today because of electric vehicles. So you're going to have to produce, replicate what you have, plus go two and a half times more than that, all green. Absolutely. And, and so that's what, they're, that's what they're proposing that we do. We're saying that that's not financially possible for this province. Can you imagine what the rates would be uh, to do it under the plan that the federal government has set out? We think that even by 2035, it's going to be more than doubling uh, the current SAS power rates that people in this province pay. We need to have uh, affordable rates for Saskatchewan families and for Saskatchewan industries so that we're not uh, putting our industries in a non-competitive place where they can't uh, invest in Saskatchewan. And so you know, this is this is not really just asking the federal government to tweak here and there the CER. This is really a full scale. You need to scrap it. You need to re- to to go back to the drawing board because this just will not work for Saskatchewan. And again, like we're seeing on the carbon tax, what they've put in in the in the act and the regulations is again the threat of not only financial but criminal penalties for people that work in uh, in our government in our government owned crown utility, which is absolutely ridiculous that they are once again threatening to put people in jail for what? Wanting to keep the lights on in this province. Absolutely ridiculous, once again, from this federal government. Look, we have a judicial system that goes soft on criminals. You've already volunteered to go to jail on the not payment of the carbon tax. You'll only serve concurrent time. Parole will be easy. Step up, take the jail time for this, and tell them all to go to hell. Well, well, considering it doesn't take effect uh, until after 2035. I, I, You'll I'm get a senior's go, discount, too. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, John, and say I, I'm likely not going to be the minister of South Power by 2035. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Always good. Thanks so much. Thanks, John, for having me. Dustin Duncan, minister in charge of the Crowns. Yeah, I forgot that little addition. Stephen Gibo actually has said uh, under the emissions regulation, they're going to do like um, that kook, David Suzuki. Remember Suzuki wanted to jail people who disagreed with them on climate change? There's actually criminal penalties where you could go to jail if you don't do what the feds are doing on this. Yep, it's another day in paradise. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.